I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 289 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, we welcome back Mr. Dan Lorenzo. Who would have thought, after not having him on in 11 years, I think it is, uh, twice in one year. Wow, and we're going to have him on a third time when the new Cash is King drops. Yes, that's right. New Cash is King coming shortly. We talk about all that. We talk about... Patriarchs in Black, some Vessel of Light news, and uh, I should have asked him about Hades because I did see that Alan Tecchio posted something about some uh, Hades stuff being reissued as well. Uh, we didn't touch upon nonfiction, but hey, if you're a fan of Dan's, you know about all this good stuff anyway. The interview with Dan is coming up at the three-minute mark. In the meantime, I did want to send a quick shout-out to all of my patrons, Anthony Mackey, my brother, Art, Brad uh, Dahl, who you heard during the last episode, Dr. Poison, who is finally retired. Check out YargMetal.com. Chris Vaglio from the Chris and Amanda Show. Ed the Shred Ferguson. The Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz. Gene Eugene DX. Mr. Patron's Pick, Jeremy Weltman. Johan, who you heard two episodes ago, uh, up there in Sweden. We have Jose in Connecticut. We have Metal Dan. We have Mike Jones. Twisted Steve Hoker, and we have Steven Saylor. Thanks, all of you guys, for your support. Patreon, two bucks a month. Troll-free environment. I post three videos a day, usually. We talk about all this stuff. Stuff we like goes to a playlist. I post questions. We have Patreon discussions or patron discussions. We crown the greatest thrash band of all time, Last month, we'll be having a discussion on 1983 shortly. So if you want to join, two bucks a month gets you in. If you don't like it, just bounce out after a month. You know, no problem at all. I don't think anyone is uh, <laughs> pulling out of their kids' college fund or uh, retirement fund uh, just for the Patreon. And I, and I understand that not everyone likes to pay for this stuff, but in any event, I appreciate you spending time listening to this episode. Hope you enjoy my chat with the one and only Dan Lorenzo. Let's jump on into it. Here we go. I love Cinnamon Girl. I love the one-note solo. It's phenomenal. I love Neil Young. He's great. There you go. There's always a, a yin to uh, other people's yang. So uh, sure. That, that's awesome. Yeah, when I first heard Neil Young, Victor, I didn't love his voice, but uh, that was when I was in the seventh or eighth grade. After that, I'm like, man, this guy writes great songs, and the right. solos are so bad. They're great. You know, they're like worse <laughs> than mine, even. You know. Right. <laughs> Well, my, my thing for Neil Young didn't happen until I moved over to Europe because, you know, with radio in the U.S., they're playing the same 
four or five Neil Young songs every day and it just drives you crazy. Yeah. It was one of these things, like I think two years into living over here, it's like, you know what? I Maybe I want to listen to this, you know? So there are select songs of his that, that I listen to every now and then now where when I was living in the States, I just couldn't stomach because the radio was just killing them for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I've seen Neil Young play live a couple of times. Always a big fan. Many years. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, great talk to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, at least we can connect this time because yeah. uh, the last time, beyond frustrating, you know, after um, trying to connect with you that night, I had somebody else tell me, yeah, the link you sent didn't work. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then actually after, like half an hour after sitting here going, well, let's see if Dan joins us. I'm like, yeah. all right, 2 a.m. my time. It's time to go. And then I, I read, you know, the emails. I'm here. I'm here. And I'm like, fuck, what happened? And I look yeah. back and then the link that the session generated was no good. It so, happened. It, it sucks, but I'm well, glad you now. Let's get into my first question for you, because I'm, I'm doing the interview with you, All right. right? All right, sure. Have you listened to the, the Patriarchs in Black, Reach for the Scars album more than a couple times yet? Yes, I have. And what are the thoughts? Um, what I like about the album more than anything is that you can listen to Patriarchs. You can listen to anything else that you've done, not only recently, but from throughout your catalog and it stands out at its, as its own thing with most people that have the, you know, put out the amount of material that you've been putting out. A lot of times it's, Oh, all right. So it's just another version of what they're doing. You know, this isn't vessel of light part two. It is. Yeah. It's something completely different, which is, which is cool because, um, you could easily just write the same riffs. Not that it's not your hands. It's not your emotions. It's not the influences, but it's coming out in a different way. And the puzzle pieces are coming together so that if somebody doesn't know who patriarchs and black are, if they listen to Cassius King or listen to vessel of light, they have no idea that Dan Lorenzo is in all three bands. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, I've heard people tell me that they can tell it's me playing as soon as I play, but I agree with what you're saying. And as far as, um, like, for some reason, when I have a project of a band with a new name, I think I just write, a, like, you know, a little yeah. bit differently, you know, just a little bit. And um, if I wrote a song and I would say to my buddy Jimmy Shulman, like, oh, yeah, I wrote a new Patriarchs and Black song today. He's like, well, why isn't it a Cassius King song? Or maybe I want to play on it. <laughs> and I'll be like, no, no, because you know, we finished that record already. We're working. You know, I'm telling you, it's just right. It's, it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, well, okay. To me, what you just said to me sounds like the lazy comparison, because I've yeah. I've seen a lot of reviews of things, um, and I think maybe because I've been a wannabe musician since I was in the third grade. Um, and I've played different types of music and appreciated different types of music. Seeing it as somebody, seeing a critic say, just because let's say you cover a song by a band, then all of a sudden the rest of the review is, oh, well, it sounds like this band. Yeah. Most of the time it doesn't. 
you know, it's just that critic trying to get out of it easy by saying, oh, okay, I'll just write another paragraph on how, you know, it sounds exactly like this. To me, you're playing, yes, I know it's you because you're sending it to me, but your playing doesn't sound the same to me from each one of the three bands that I'm mentioning. And if we want to go back to Hades or nonfiction or The Cursed, it's st- they're still separate entities. They're They're not... You know, yeah, they're rock playing, it's metal, it's, but it's not, I think to just pigeonhole you and say, oh yeah, it's obviously Dan Lorenzo playing. I think that's a load of horseshit. Yeah, well, sometimes I think critics, they're inundated with so much new music, so before they do the interview, they listen to it once. And right. then they form all their opinions. And I know personally, if I listen to an album once, it's really not enough to give me a definitive sense of as to what it is. Right. I mean, I can make my immediate uh opinion uh, on anything but there's there's a couple songs that you know by bands that took a little while for me to digest and then there's something like maybe rocking all over where i just loved every song the second i heard it by kiss you know but that was a different time and place and nowadays because to say you and i both we've listened to so much music over the years it's almost not fair like when a friend of mine sends me their new album i'd rather listen to the first three songs three times than the whole album and then like yeah maybe you know like Right. Get it like, digested a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I was curious if you heard the uh, Patriarchs in Black reach for the scars more than once, because I always think it's better to formulate your definitive opinions after you listen to it multiple times. Right. I, I also like to listen to stuff more than just when I receive it. Like if I re- the first time I receive something, it's almost harder for me to appreciate it because I feel like I'm under the stress of, oh, I really need to listen to this. Whereas a lot of times I prefer to just, all right, I'll listen to this, you know, in a week, in two weeks when I don't need to, you know, crank out, you know, um, I'm not under the gun to write about it. You know, Mm -hmm. if I can just sit back and appreciate it and maybe just throw it on the headphones, go for a walk, and and I, I I get a different feeling for for the music than as opposed to, you know, having your your typical PR person or label person saying, have you listened to it yet? Have you written a review yet? Have you done? Right. You know, I'd rather just sit back and just kind of appreciate it, listen to it and just absorb it. So, um, you know, we've talked about this before. And as you said, with uh, with Jimmy um, at this stage, you know, you're consciously trying to to tweak what you're doing. But at the same time, you know, you're working on one project at a time. You're, I mean, in the middle of writing Patriarchs, do you come up with a riff and say, you know what, that's Cassius King. Let me, let me record that. That'll, that'll go in this folder and I'll revisit it in a month. Yeah, um, honestly, I just write, right? So mm-hmm. when, when the coronavirus shut down, when the, when the coronavirus you know, shutdown happened, I basically wrote all of Last Ride and all of Cassius King Field Trip all pretty much together the same winter, we'll call it, or the same period of time. Right. So I wrote 21 songs and we just kind of divided up 10 for Vessel of Light and 10 for Cassius King. But mm-hmm. since then, I think um, if I write or if I may, you know, like right now, we, there's a brand new Cassius King we just finished a couple of weeks ago that'll come out in October. And, uh, there's a couple songs that I think, oh, you know what? Johnny Kelly could have played drums on this. He might have liked this. It's like an eight-minute song, which is the longest song I've written in years. Right. And maybe that would have even made more sense for Patriarchs in Black. But 
once you have a different musicians playing on it and particularly the singer, to me, that really changes the feel. And what's funny is sometimes like, do my songs sound like it's me? Like sometimes the riffles start, but even though the singing doesn't come in to say 30 seconds, it already has a different feel, a different vibe yeah. than what I would be doing with the other one of the other bands I'm in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, basically I'm not answering your question, but because um, <laughs> I'm not even sure. I just write and I don't really consciously think, okay, I'm going to write a song tonight for Cassius King or for Vessel of Light yeah. or Patriots in Black. I just write. And when I write, it probably it probably could go to any one of those three bands, but um, right. because of what the other musicians put in it, it'll give it a different spin, I guess. Right. Who's currently in more projects? You were Johnny Kelly. Johnny Kelly will always be in more projects than I am. He's uh, <laughs> Right now he's with Quiet Riot, and I don't know if he's in New Mexico or somewhere. He's playing a big, big, uh, big room somewhere. In, I think it's New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, so Johnny didn't do the last Danzig tour because mm-hmm. he was with Quiet Riot and they were doing a run. But I, as far as I know, he's still in Danzig and he's still in um, uh, Hookers and Blow. Mm-hmm. And he just did a project for some other band. Um, and he's in, uh, you know, the band with his former typo negative guys. Silver um, Tomb, yeah. Silver Tomb, yeah. So he's in a lot, probably more than me. We're right now, Vessel of Light's on a little bit of a hold, a holding pattern. And Cash is King and Patriarchs in Black are, be, like I said, basically out and promoting. And we'll have a new Cash is right. King single in September. Cool. Obviously, you worked with a lot of different singers on this, a few different singers. How did you guys decide what the first single was going to be? Was there something that just jumped out at you and said, ah, it's this one? Um, I think the first song that's finished, really. Carl, um, we sent him uh, this song that didn't have it. It became Demon of Regret, the first single. Mm-hmm. And while we were waiting for him to finish, it was a few weeks went by, and Johnny Kelly said to me, hey, man, why don't we – have a bunch of different singers on this album. And I'm like, you know, I was thinking the right. same thing. And then we got Demon of Regret back from Carl. We're like, oh man, we should have just had Carl sing the whole album. It's so great. But we ended up being happy the way we did it with having six different singers. But um, Demon of Regret was finished first with Dave Niebuhr from Dog Eat Dog on bass and Johnny Kelly on drums. And uh, that came out, you know, pretty long time ago now. I think that actually came out in January. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, you know, all the singers are working on a bunch of different songs, but because Carl did such a great job, I sent him a song I finished writing, you know, in January and the, and the very last song I finished writing, I believe in February or March, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm so happy with the whole album. I, I really love it. I'm so into it. Do you think moving forward, you would want to do similar to Cassius King and just have one singer or do you want to just mm-hmm. keep it open and just, See who's available. Yeah, as much as I love Carl's voice, Carl, like I wrote an eight minute song for the next record. It's like the most evil sounding riffs I've ever written in my life. I'm so excited about it. But and I love Carl's voice and Carl would love to take Patriarchs in Black and make it a band. But I also mm-hmm. love John Costco's voice. I love Dewey Bragg's voice. I love Jimmy yeah. Necco's voice. Um, you know, everybody who's on the record, I'm really happy with what they brought to the table. Yeah. Um. Do you think it's going to be the same six singers all the time or do you? No, no, no. Okay. I think we'll, we'll try a couple different things. Um, but there's nothing written in stone. Like, you know, right now, um, I think Carl has two songs, Rob trainer from the band Blackwater rising. He's got a song that, um, J 
JD, John DeServio from Black right. Label Society, he played bass on it. But I thought it was an instrumental. And when Johnny Kelly heard it, he was like, eh, it doesn't really work it as an instrumental. It needs singing. So that, that cut didn't make it onto the album. But, um, you know, there's a couple different singers I've reached out to, never heard back from. Yeah, you know, I think we're going to keep it interesting. I mean, I'm hoping there will be another one. I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be because we've already had like four songs recorded, mm -hmm. uh, drums and guitar for the next record. So um, nothing's written in stone. And I think definitely multiple singers, though. Okay. And you just mentioned that um, Johnny, you know, with that song, for example, kind of uh, said that there needed to be more work with it. What's the dynamic between the two of you when it comes to to writing the stuff? Uh, obviously, you're coming up with riffs all the time. Um, does he give you guidance as to where he thinks the riff should go, where the song should go? Uh, is yes, it usually like with every song I've been doing for my last you know, I've done seven albums in the last five years now, and the last six of them is just me playing along with the guitar, a click track, and I finish mm -hmm. the song. Sometimes I finish the whole album before anybody else comes in. So there's not, I mean, and I tell the singers, if you need to rearrange it, feel free. But the only song Johnny rearranged was uh, I'm the Dog. He rearranged a little bit, and it worked out much better. And I think Demon of Regret, Johnny said, hey, man, you got to add a guitar solo. I'm like, nah, I don't want a solo. He's like, yeah, you got to add a solo. I'm like, I'm like, eh. And then he's like, if you don't add a solo, I'm going to have one of my buddies play a solo. I'm like, all right, I'll do a solo, you know? <laughs> um, so I kind of defer to Johnny just because he is a, a bigger name than me and he's been in some bigger bands. But I mean, you know, the riffs right. are mine, the music's mine, but I definitely listen to Johnny. I definitely want his input and I value his input. Gotcha. Okay. Is there ever um, a situation where you've heard him play something and say, you know what? I kind of mm -hmm. had this in mind. Instead, um, I don't think so. There was one song that didn't make the record that was almost could have been a Haiti song. It was kind of a thrash song. Mm -hmm. And then it broke down to some bigger riffs. And I just didn't think Johnny got uh, the, the fast part of the song correct. I'm like, eh, we'll come back to it. I don't even know if it's that good anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, he'll he'll like the so, so for the song Sing for the Devil, which is uh, might have been the first song he tracked for me. He, he's like, what do you think of this? I'm like, oh my God, it's perfect. And then he's like, no, I can do a little bit better. I'm like, yeah, don't, don't change, leave it that way. It's perfect. Right, and he'll right. go in and do it, you know? So he's like a workaholic. He's just been amazing to work with. Like this guy seems like doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Just a nice person, you know? Right. How different is it working to him as opposed to working with, uh, with Ronnie? Well, Ron and I, um, we've jammed a million more times. Johnny Kelly and I have never even jammed in person. So, right. um, you know, Ron, you know, Ron's one of my newest friends and we've been friends for 20 years now, you know, um, probably <laughs> right. over 20 years. It's crazy how time flies. But um, so Ron and I have jammed, we've jammed Kiss covers together. We've been in the same room. We've been in the same van. We've done a million shows together. Yeah. And I haven't experienced that with Johnny but they're mm -hmm. both world-class drummers and they're both very, very different from each other. So um, I think Ron favors the up-tempo stuff more where Johnny, if I'm going to write something really doomy, Johnny's probably the right guy for it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I have a few uh, fan submitted questions here. Okay. Um, Cause I always reach out to uh, my backers and say, Hey, I'm talking to Dan Lorenzo. Any, anyone have questions? First of all, Jeremy, who's in the UK, 
Um, he does a, a segment for the podcast, which is called The Patron's Pick, and he always picks his album of the week. And he actually wanted me to point out that he picked uh, Reach for the Scars as album of the week, uh, the week thank after you, it was Jeremy. released. So Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Love yeah. it. So um, his his first question is, any big names that you'd love to work with on a future Patriarchs album? Yeah, reached out to Phil Anselmo. He never heard back. And, you know, he was a nonfiction fan. And, right. I have a, you know, he sang a nonfiction song to me in Los Angeles once to prove that he knew who I was. <laughs> um, there's this guy who really hasn't, he's only kind of done demo tapes. His name is Robert Ellsworth. Bobby right. Blitz, he goes by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked him to sing on some stuff, and uh, he told me he thinks he'll sing a song on the next record. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think I can't get Bon Scott. I can't get Wendy o. Williams. I would love to get Wayne Static, but right. all my heroes are dead, man, musically, you know. Uh, Lane Staley, I, I don't know who else I would really, Pete Steele, but I, I can't think of anybody else that I'd really love to get. Oh, there's a singer, and I'm going to, Alabama Thunder Pussy. I, okay. I'm not familiar with their music, but I heard his voice. I'm like, man, that guy's voice is perfect for me. And I right. sent him a DM on Instagram. I never heard back. So right. there's these couple people that come to mind. And, you know, uh, there's a few people who I reached out to and, and, and never heard back from. And, you know, no big deal, whatever. Either they checked it out and said no thanks or they just never saw it. Right. But, uh, it's something to think about, you know. Cool. I know that uh, we've talked about possibly having Blitz on something uh at some point again after you know you worked with him on the curse but you know yeah. obviously he's uh he's he, he's got this day job called overkill which i'm sure keeps yeah. him very busy <laughs> yep um favorite gear i mean you're a les paul guy especially these yeah. days is there anything outside of a les paul that you absolutely need to have as part of your gear no man i i tell people have always asked me like particularly the last 10 years, like how do you get your guitar sound? And it's just a Gibson Les Paul Diodario uh, pickup. And I plug into whatever amplifier, whatever head is closest, whether it's my pig nose upstairs when I'm writing rips or my PV or whatever the studio has, it doesn't matter. I don't use any effects. Mm -hmm. It just sounds like it sounds um, when I plug in. Am I, you know, I, I don't use effects. I don't care about equipment. It doesn't matter. It's really about the, the, Art, the, the performer, the guitar player, and uh, right. what he's playing, you know I mean? And I know my limitations as a guitar player, but I, I love my style. I love my sound, you know? Right. So you're going from one of those amps, like when you're recording the demos at home, just directly to the computer, your phone, or? Yeah, I don't even record things at home. I used to record things at home a little bit. Now, I usually, when I, if I write something, I'll just almost, I'll put it on my phone for a second, like a video, like, you know, like a dinosaur would. And I just go right to my buddy, J-Rod. He, he's in Pomona, New York. His studio is literally half an hour from my house. So right. that, I'm actually like, when, when we, Nathan uh, Opposition and I, when we did the Rest of the Light albums, I would burn CDRs and mail them to his house of me playing it in my house. Mm -hmm. And I just stopped doing that because usually I, when I write a song now, I feel like it's getting easier and easier, Victor. I just write the whole thing out. I arrange it and then I go and record it. Yeah. Well, and with the video, there's no mystery as to what the hell is I playing there? So, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike Jones sends in uh, this question. Um, is there anything in, in particular that inspires uh, you to come up with song ideas? No, 
I just play guitar when I'm, I mean, I'm generally a happy guy, you know, almost always happy until I turn on the news. And I, when I play, just things come out of me, whether if, you know, sometimes I go upstairs to figure out maybe a, I don't know, a bass line on a Jimi Hendrix song, and then I'll just play something else and something else pops up. So I don't really even need to get inspired, but I do know the one time, if not that I would have had songwriters block in many years, but I do find when I want to write a song, maybe if I want to write a song tonight and I couldn't, mm-hmm. going upstairs using my Les Paul, I'll, I'll bring a different amplifier and a different guitar to a different room in my house. Mm-hmm. And that's been really beneficial. I, and I, if I had any advice to people who were maybe having some writer's block, it's like use a different tuning, use a different guitar, right. sit in a different room in a house, you know? Um, with nonfiction, I remember... I'd always write at the rehearsal studio because I'd always be the first one there. My drummer would be setting up and then I would just write because I was just had electricity flowing through me. So excited. We're going to have a rehearsal. But, um, you know, I've also written songs when I almost didn't want to. Like I'll wake up in the middle of night sometimes and I'll hear a riff and I'm like, shit, I had this great (laughs) riff. I got to go upstairs now and record it. And I'm so tired. I don't want to write a riff right now. And then that riff re- reverberate through my head for the next night, and then I'll hear a melody line and another part of the song. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it comes at the wrong time. I mean, um, Sing for the Devil, I wrote the chorus for that song, Driving Home from Basketball. I remember recording it right as I pulled into the driveway, you know? Something right. like that will happen. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can never – I mean, if you listen to so many artists over the years, I mean, James Hetfield – has talked that nauseam about before he had a cell phone, he always needed to have pads around to start yeah. writing down lyrics or different things. Even if it was just, you know, scratch lyrics, just sure. something to, to, to go by later. Um, recently, well, actually I had to modify this because the last time you were going to be on Florentine had just finished playing a, a song of yours on his XM show. But this week you sent me a, a compilation there of you appearing on XM on Ozzy's Boneyard, um, promoting the album and playing some of your favorite songs. Right. How important is it for you to have someone of the stature like Florentine or have a platform like Sirius to be able to play your music and get it to, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people across the U.S.? It helps so much. I mean, unfortunately... There's a guy named Jose Mangin who runs the whole show at Sirius, and he hasn't replied to my radio guy in years, even though my radio guy got him an interview with Corn when he first started out. And wow. I mean, he Jose knows who I am, and I don't know if he, you know, I just I wish he would play us on put us into regular rotation, but he has yet. But fortunately, like you said, Jim Florentine's come to the table for me, and when he plays the show, it airs five times, so that's great. And then right. I. I'm hosting Ozzy's uh, Boneyard again, um, or Ultimate Center again, tomorrow night, Sunday right. night, and Monday night. And it's great because every time I get on to Sirius XM, it seems at least one person from somewhere in America who never heard of me, they'll say, okay, Vessel, uh, you know, Patriarchs in Black, um, I'm the dog. I love that song. They go by the album, like, man, I love the album. Like, oh, cool, thanks so much, you know. And then mm-hmm. they write, oh, man, I bought... I'm like, check out Vessel of Light. They go buy all four Vessel of Light albums. They buy Cassius, you know, they go way back. So it's so cool. Any radio station, there's a radio station in California where some guy in the Florida Keys heard me singing my cover of Calling Dr. Love. 
right. bought that on iTunes, wrote me an email, and then literally bought bought every CD I've ever put out, or maybe oh, not wow. all of them, but like fifteen of the twenty. Right. So. I mean, that's why bands got you got to keep putting out new stuff so people investigate your back catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and that's funny because how many bands tell you the opposite nowadays? I mean, if if you're not the first one promoting your own stuff, yeah, then there's no way that it's you know it's getting out there. I, I mean, I I hear so many bands talk about well, you know. Uh, people don't want to hear our new stuff. Well, if you're playing one song out of 12 you just released, then most of them may not like that one song, but maybe, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, bands were playing five or six new songs off of their albums. You know, why Why record it? When I, when, I, when I hear like Twisted Sister say, oh, nobody wants to hear our new stuff. But, you know, I mean, so I'm an artist. I have a very underground career but I'm doing it for the love, you know, Victor. I mean, yeah. I, if I get this much money from the record label to make a record. I'm putting in this much and this much of my own money because right. I love it. It's in my heart. So I'm not expecting yeah. that, you know, one of my records is the whole world's going to fall in love with it. I'm just doing it because I love it. So I'm trying to make myself and my friends who are musicians happy first before, you know, I'm not going to worry if it didn't sell as much as the last record. But yeah. I guess when you're like a Twisted Sisters level, and you work for a year on a new record and it sells 25,000 copies, you feel like such a letdown because you were so high. I was never at that point. So anything I do is, is down here. It doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah, that's a shame because we were actually talking about that uh, a few hours ago, how Diaz announced that he's not, he's not going to be doing any, any new music. Yeah. And these last two solo albums that he released are fucking phenomenal. They're like up, in my opinion, they're up there with some of the best Twisted Sister albums. And yeah. the, essentially the band that uh, recorded that has just recorded an album with um, uh, with uh, Ripper Owens. And they released yeah, it. You got to say Ripper. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Ripper's voice and I love these voices, you know? Yeah, and these guys, they're from Connecticut, the Belmore brothers. I had Charlie, one of them, on the show uh, earlier this year. And, you know, it, it 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 boggles my mind. I'm like, we finally have D back on track to record, you know, some real metal music. And then now he's, he's going to be off making movies again. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe sometime in the future. But, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's a guy. I would love to write a song with D. Snyder because um, – Nonfiction opened up for them in Los Angeles with a reason Widowmaker. And I was thinking like, oh, man, we're going to blow them off the stage. Widowmaker's lane. And it was really good stuff, man. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I, don't know, I haven't heard it in years, but I thought it, it was really good. That was all right. So my first ever interview was D Snyder when he was promoting the first Widowmaker album. I bullshitted my way into interviewing him because the regular um, interviewer at the station uh, up there in, in Morris County, uh, she she was she wasn't gonna make it, and they're like, oh, just cancel, you know, cancel it. And you know, obviously the internet wasn't around. I'm like, I bet I know more about Twisted Sister than anyone else. I was lying the whole time, and I was able to do the interview with D. I was nervous as fuck. I can't listen to that interview anymore because I sound like Mickey Mouse during it. But during the first like 30 seconds. D says to me, you sound like you're nervous. I said, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Snyder, you know. And um, and he was like, don't worry, you know, you, you'll do great. And at the end of the interview, he says, do you have a show yet? 
no, you will now. And sure as shit, you know, I, first show I got was thanks to him. But That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, and those Widowmaker albums, again, I kept pointing back. I'm like, I don't want to hear D doing Cabaret. I don't want to hear him doing Pop Punk. I don't want to hear him doing anything. I said that last Widowmaker album with Al Petrelli and with Joe Franco, it had the right sound. It was heavy. It was mean. It was Angry D. I want Angry D. I don't want Happy D because that's the D that, you know, that I came to love. And and I get it. I mean, he told me in that interview, you know, when you have five Ferraris and a bunch of mansions, it's hard to be mad and write angstville lyrics. So I don't I don't know why. There's enough when you turn on the news, there's enough to be angry about. When he said that quote, I never understood that because you right. know, I, I was poor when I was in nonfiction and now I have money where I eat every day. And I still <laughs> gotta write angry songs because it's just it's a great release, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um you've already said that Cash is King first single is coming out in September. So that's yeah. Two months from now. Yeah. Um, the full album, when when's it supposed to drop? October 21st. Ah. Day after my birthday. I know what I'll be nice. listening to then. Yeah. <laughs> um, any, uh, any surprises on that that uh, you can share? Um, the only different person, we have Scott LePage, who is my former Hades buddy and played right. on Resisting Success and some of the later Hades records. He plays guitar solos on a couple songs. It's still Ron Lipnicki on drums, Jimmy Shulman on bass, Jason McMaster on vocals. But um, the single is actually Michael Gilbert from Flotsam and Jetsam plays a lead. Um, I hadn't talked with Michael Gilbert since 1988. And his publicist asked me if I would put him in Outlaw Biker magazine because I write for them. And I said, sure. And we reconnected for the first time since 1988. And we got along. We had a couple conversations back and forth since then and uh i just asked him a couple weeks ago if he could play the guitar solo on the song and he was gracious enough to do it that's awesome um obviously uh no no uh pop punk on that we're still gonna have uh, a good old nice heavy thick riffs on that and uh it's very heavy (laughs) there's one song it was originally called radio when i wrote it it sounds like a cross between maybe something on British Steel and uh, Jimmy Page. Okay. And maybe even Bang Tango or something. But uh, it's the one song, it's not the heaviest song on the album, but the rest of the album is, I think, much heavier than the first Cassius King album. Okay. Um, As far as you just mentioned radio, uh, was there any trepidation about recording Cashmere? Not really. Um, we had recorded um, Immigrant Song in the Ocean and uh, Jimmy Necco. We wanted him to sing The Ocean. He's like, I don't really like that song. And, and he was getting ready to go on tour. And I'm thinking, what song is indicative of my style where it's drop tuning? And I'm like, man, I always love playing Cashmere. But, you know, I'm sure a million bands have recorded Cashmere. So right. I went online and I only found bands that did it live with an or- a full orchestra. So I said to Johnny, I'm like, would it be weird if we recorded Cashmere? And he's like, oh, I'd love to record Cashmere. And I asked Jimmy Necco, would you like singing Cashmere? He said, I would love singing Cashmere. So I know it's a it's kind of a weird choice in a way because it's such a perfect song as it is. But I've read some reviews that 
the, the some of the journalists actually thought Jimmy Necco breathed new life into the song. Oh wow! And I, I thought I did something kind of cool on guitar. I took the high strings with the tuning that Paige used for that song, and I played a part that's almost like a violin part. It's, and I, I don't know. I love it. I mean, if you don't love it because you don't love a nine-minute cover song, I get it. But um, no trepidation. It was fun. We love Led Zeppelin. Cool. Um, you're obviously a fan of 70s rock. 70s, uh, we talked about Neil Young. We're talking about Led Zeppelin now. If you had to present 70s rock to someone who's never heard it before, three riffs that stand out to you that you say, these are the, these are the three riffs that you need to listen to to find out what the definitive 70s rock is all about. What three riffs are you going with? Great question. Um, what do you think of Adam's Apple by Aerosmith? Okay. You like it? Yeah, that's a cool song. Okay. Um, I'm a, I love Aerosmith Rocks and Aerosmith Toys in the Attic. Those two albums are perfect for me. Um, right. You know, Highway to Hell must have come out in the 70s, right? Yes. Okay, so that's my favorite album of all time. And then I was going to say something off of Rock and Roll Over, but that doesn't have really the 70s sound. That's almost has a different sound. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to pick off a Kiss Alive albums, anything off Kiss Alive. But, I mean, it's funny because when those three bands, you think of them as almost newer, where if somebody said 70s rock, you're thinking Led Zeppelin or uh, yeah. Sabbath. But that that's who I always go to first is Highway to Hell, Kiss, Old Kiss, and the first five or six Aerosmith albums. There you go. No, uh, no, no, no uh, new school Aerosmith ballads for you. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel bad, but because sometimes I'll try and hear a new hit Aerosmith song and I'm like, I actually hear the riff in there that actually would be kind of cool if they didn't cheese it out so bad, you know, like, yeah. like love in the elevator. Well, love in the elevator. There's like that riff. It's not a bad riff. It's just so lame what they did to it because they want to make money and they don't want to, you know, yeah impress you and I anymore, you know? Well, there you go. Um, I guess Joe Perry just played in Atlantic city with, uh, Gary Sharon okay, and all right, they, right. and all they did was 70s Aerosmith and Joe Perry project songs. So that's cool. I love Joe Perry project. <laughs> so there you go. Um, for people to keep up with what you have going on with patriarchs, what you have coming up with, uh, Cassius King or, even if there's any new vessel of light coming down the pike, uh, where should people go to keep up with everything? I, I guess you can go to the Instagram, which is Dan Lorenzo CK. And then each of my bands, cash is King vessel of light and patriarchs in black. We have Instagram. I have a website, danlorenzo.net, And, uh, that's about it, man. You know, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time out from your night. And, uh, I hope everybody checks out patriarchs in black reach for the scars. And actually, Speaking of Vessel of Light, Faster and Louder Records in the UK are re-releasing Thy Serpent Rise with um, the Jimi Hendrix Foxy Lady cover that was never available anywhere. Right. And uh, Black Sabbath Wasp from the first Black Sabbath album. We did a cover of that that we released a video for, but it was never released on CD. Right. So that's like the only new Vessel of Light. And then like we mentioned before, Cassius King's second album, will come out on MDD records in Europe and Nomad Eel records in America, October 21st. Cool. So that means uh, we will reconvene in October to talk about Cassius King. I thought you'd like to interview me every 10 years, but yeah, if that works for you, I'll see you then. 
I I, pre- I prefer uh, you know uh, not scratching my head every weekend and saying who am I who am I interviewing next week. So if I can okay. already know that I'm speaking to you in October, that helps out greatly. <laughs> Works for me, brother. Awesome. Thank you for your time, and everyone check out the new Patriarchs in Black. Reach for the scars. Thanks, Victor. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. See you. All right, guys. So that ends our long marathon edition of Signals from Mars slash the Mars Attacks podcast. Um, For those that are checking out the podcast version uh, this week, there will be four episodes. (laughs) There will be the first hour. There will be the second hour. There will be an interview with Dan Lorenzo, and there will be the audio version of Trivia Tuesday. Uh, I do want to thank everyone who's listening to this or has watched either the live version of the Signals from Mars live stream, or perhaps you guys are watching this on YouTube after the fact. I want to thank you. As I always say, there's a million other things you could do, but you choose to be here with me tonight and or whenever you're watching or or listening to this. And I appreciate it greatly. Uh, Some cool news will be coming out shortly about something that I'm working on. Uh, If you're following my social media, you'll know that I uh, posted something recently with a microphone and saying 2018 was a long time ago. Um, Ready to stir up some shit. And uh, get some uh, get some things moving. Let's let's say let me just put it to you that way. So if you're a patron, you know what I'm talking about, and you're gonna have to be a patron to get involved in this. It's only two bucks a month. I know people are complaining. Oh, you talk about Patreon all the time, but like I just told Dan, if I don't talk about it, no one else is gonna talk about it. So. Uh, join me. You won't regret it. And if, you know, after a month you think it sucks, just hop off of it. It's two bucks, you know, from there, if you think it's great, jump up to one of the other tiers and get some, uh, get some merch, not holding guns to anyone's heads. And, uh, it's a troll free environment. You want to, uh, discover new music from new bands, from, uh, old bands that maybe you lost track of. It's the perfect place to do it. I know that other shows do this as well. I've been doing it for a lot longer, 13 years, uh, where I've been podcasting come, uh, no, actually as of last month, but Mars attacks will be 13 years old in September. So in two months, so there you go. In any event, thank you once again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Leave your comments below, regardless whether you're listening to this. And uh, that is it. We will see you next time on the Signals from Mars live stream or the Mars Attacks podcast. Uh, If you need any audio editing or web design, go to vmrit.com, which is uh, where you can find my shop. So uh, that is it, folks. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. See you. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 